Welcome to The Meteor Podcast, a weekly news show about what's going on in the media community. This episode is for Friday, April 17th, 2015. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace, they offer you Mongo databases, it's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Meteor fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host, Rye Walker. Rye Walker. And as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, we have a special guest co-host with us. Dean Radcliffe. Yeah. You've been on the show before, Dean, but for maybe new listeners, where where are you from? I'm from Chicago. I work at a company called Opinion Lab, where we're uh, doing some interesting things with Meteor and Node, looking to hire as well. Also, I'm a co-organizer of the Chicago Meteor Meetup. Gerard uh, from Differential was just up there, right? Yeah, we had a very good night, uh, despite the fact that there were tornadoes and severe weather uh, threatening the area. People were like, he's not done yet. There's another package that integrates reactive meteor he's trying to tell us about. So nice. he, was, he was very <laughs> thorough and uh, people enjoyed him a lot. So Gerard, love to, love to see you there. Nice. So this week, we will be talking about this package kitchen thing. I don't know. Maybe you know a thing or two about that, Dean. And yeah. A starry night and uh, Blaze Components. I figured since we have three people, conversations might run a little longer. So we're just going to do three stories this week. And if it's short, then eh, sorry for you, <laughs> listener. <laughs> Bonus <right>. for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you kick us off with uh, talking about package kitchen, Dean? So Package Kitchen, package-kitchen.meteor.com was a site that I I whipped up because I believed that we needed to have the bar set as low as possible as far as the amount of work needed to take an idea and bundle it up as a package for the community to consume would be great, but also, you know, you can use packages locally, which um, was kind of a intended use case of this uh, is that you could download, uh, you type in the basic details of your package, and then you can download a kind of templated set of files as a zip and just drop it into your local packages directory. So it was something I was obsessing about over the weekend, and when Monday hit, I said, I just have to like do this. And, uh, and it's you know, been picked up uh, on Crater, got voted up, um, and so it was got the highest traffic of any of my shares uh, in a long time. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. So why do people like uh, making packages, do you think? Or is this, this seems to have filled some kind of need. What do you think is best practice about packages and how do you approach right when you write a package and when you uh, create another file in the client directory and server directory, et cetera? Yeah, I guess to me, like package creation is there because you either one need to separate some functionality, right? So today I was having a conversation with a guy and uh, a lot of people are like, well, I want to build one app and I want to have Cordova in there and I want to have, you know, web in there. And how do I control, 
you know, what the Cordova app looks like. So you, you either have to look at going with something like Polymer if you want to deliver kind of the same experience on both, or you can look at something like Bootstrap on the web and Ionic on the, you know, the phone platform. And so packages are really the easiest way to do that because you can say, you know, you can push all your design files into a package and only load it in web for the web platform and only load it in Cordova for your Cordova platforms. So to me, like that's interesting. And then the other thing is just when you have code that you reuse, it's better put in a package for me. So like accounts entry is probably a great example, yeah. which I'll keep saying is deprecated and you should use user accounts now. You know, that, that was a thing like Rye actually wrote the first iteration of it in an application and then I needed to write something. So I just extracted his work from his app and uh, started packaging it up and testing it and making sure it worked the way we wanted. And then the designer jumped in and he's like, well, I want these options here. And so then it became like a full-fledged thing at that point. And all of a sudden it was in like five applications instead of one. And what was your approach uh, to configuring a package? I don't recall exactly for the accounts entry or uh, user accounts package. How does it do its configuration? I think a lot of that stuff is usually handled via like a config file or like a, just a JavaScript config block that you put in somewhere. That, that's um, right. That's right. You call it and you pass it a config object. Yeah. That rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. That's how we did it early on until I guess either we discovered Meteor settings or Meteor settings got added. I don't know if it was always there and I didn't know about it, but now if I was doing it, I would probably just put all that Meteor settings. I believe actually uh, Dean has some thoughts on Meteor settings from packages, don't you? Yeah, well, you have a good memory there, Josh. Um, <laughs> I, I had noticed, as a few people have, I've, I've seen in the, in the forums, one of the uh, gripes that I find some people say when they come to Meteor is, even when you have packages, there's a lot of global namespace stuff going on. I've heard that mm. complaint levied against session variables, too. Can you just session get, you know, like just anybody, you know, get and set? And with respect to Meteor settings and packages, yes, like a uh, package can read Meteor settings, which I thought would be one way to configure it is to give it access to Meteor settings, which it has already. But uh, that, mm -hmm. that's when I discovered that uh, Meteor settings is read-write at runtime. And I was- For a package. From a package from yeah. anywhere in the app. And I thought, you know, hmm, I was already a little wigged out about the read because there's passwords and things that we put in Meteor settings. And then the write, I just thought, oh, well, that's, that's not the intended use case anyway. It doesn't write back to the file. Why would you allow a write on the thing? So I raised it on, I think, Stack Overflow because forums hadn't been created yet. Hmm. And I, I got some good, you know, counterpoint to that, which is that it's no more global than a lot of other things in Meteor. It's just <laughs> tightly sandboxed as a platform. That's just not its approach. And uh, also that there's, if, you're, if I was really concerned, I could use some encryption things because packages control load order and they load before your app. Your app could have a decryption key in it. And, uh, mm. you know, package at runtime could, you know, your package would be the only one who could, you know, get the decryption key or something. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't feel like an awesome solution either. So, I mean, to me, I'd, I'd almost rather, why not just give setting or packages access to like uh, Meteor settings namespace that they can read and write and set, you know, they specify yeah. that. I mean, we already have like, if you want to ex export something into the global namespace, 
you, you have to do that specifically by saying api.export. So I think you should have to say like api.settings or something. And Yeah, that would, that would make a lot of sense. Kind of like public is a, is a reserved keyword kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we've said it on the podcast. Someone out there should make it true. <laughs> make it yeah. sense. So, so tell me real quick, like on Meteor settings, maybe, maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but the whole Meteor settings files isn't exposed to the client, right? It is not. Is uh, only, under, only the stuff under public is exposed oh. to the client. Right. Yeah. But as a package writer, I can, I can add a file into the server environment that would read your Meteor settings and say, you know, I could be malicious right now and go out and update accounts entry and add in a thing that looks for like common keys, like S3 keys and, you know, Stripe keys, private keys and all that kind of stuff. And just like, you know, I mean, it's not that hard to do. If you look at Telescope, Sasha's actually got a, a sneaky little thing in there where he's phoning home. So anytime you install Telescope, it like sends a little DDP method to him saying, hey, you know, someone's got a Telescope install running. Clever. And- Here's the URL. And so he always knows about the new telescope sites going up. But I mean, you know, I, I could write the same thing, right? You know, yeah, just DDP, yeah. done. So, yeah, you know, caveat emptor, uh, CYA when adopting a package, there's, there's a reason they're open source. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I, w- I would just argue that I guess the question is, from the package, I, I guess you couldn't get it at, at a config object that you do in, in it, inside the init like process. Is that the theory? Is that Meteor settings has is readable by the package, whereas if I say like Meteor, you know, like if I'm knitting this uh, my accounts entry, the package wouldn't have access to that object. Yeah, you'd be explicitly passing some information in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, I just didn't know. Like, if you're inside a package, do you have access to the, what's running in the Meteor app? Whatever has loaded before you, you do. Yeah. Okay. And All right. So. Settings. Yeah. So it, it could include the so-called Stripe secret key that you <laughs> put in a in a different object. Then. So yeah. So I don't know. I, I just think that um, yeah. Well, we, don't, we don't have to go too far. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting attack vector too, right? Like I could totally rather than stealing your key. I can just put my key in instead. <laughs> you, you can because uh, it's read write. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, and you can give me all your credit card charges, and I'll handle them for you. That's nice. Cool. So just like one out of ten, maybe you know, just a uh, <laughs> little round robin action. A little office space style. <laughs> if last name match um, Owens. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's here's what I think the big takeaway is is read the code for any package <laughs> that you install because it could have something malicious like that, especially if Josh or Dean are involved. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We just think about it. We don't implement it. Uh, no, but I, I like, yeah, okay. uh, I like package kitchen because uh, I think the thing most people don't understand is really a package is just, just a, a meteor app, right? Like a little self-contained bunch of meteor files. Uh, and the big thing is the package.js, which I don't think this stuff is, greatly documented anywhere so the documentation came along um but it's it's unusual in that it's a it's an executable it's a dsl it's not a json configuration file so you know so it's just a little bit different and 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 basically the package kitchen it uses reactivity to derive your source tree from the 
you know, handful of variables that you input. So it, it's all, it's in fact, it's all client side. All your, your things are reflected and uh, run through a utility that I made, a package called Worksheet, but basically just a chain of reactive dependencies that result in the source files being built. And then a client side, JS zipper and downloader. So it basically, once your uh, package is ready and you click uh, download zip, it adds all the files that you're seeing on the right into a zip file. And then basically base64 encodes it and sets the browser's URL. It's like a data URI and the browser, that causes the browser to say, oh, you're downloading a zip. So it's entirely client side. That was an interesting adventure learning along the way. All right, you wanna jump to the next topic? Yeah. Next topic is Starry Night. Cute little site. Uh, I like the painting in the background. The uh, Starry Night is a, a new meteor testing, what you call it, framework management tool that kind of takes a different approach from the current velocity system. Uh, it's inspired by some other things. Author of this is Abigail Watson, who obviously, well, it's, it's, Starry Night is related to Nightwatch, which was the packet with the testing framework she had built out prior to the velocity um, introduction. And it looks, looks pretty interesting. I have not tried it yet. When, when did this launch, Josh? Do you know when this hit? Was, was it last? Week? It was last week, I think, maybe. Okay, last week, yeah. I haven't had a chance to test it out, but the idea is, you know, it includes acceptance tests. It kind of is leveraging TinyTest as the testing framework, which obviously, you know, MDG uses and is happy with. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an interesting, like, an, I think it's important that we have to continue to have... Um, experiments in all aspects of Meteor, right? Like we can't, the framework isn't um, ready to be locked down just yet on, in all ways. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to check this out and see what's going on in there. And either you guys try, tried it out or? I haven't, it? I mean, honestly, I'm more of a cucumber guy myself, uh, having come from Rails land and the land of cucumber and I guess Jasmine. I mean, I still haven't done a ton of Jasmine testing just enough to be dangerous. You know, the, the interesting thing to me is that this is actually like a, uh, it's a full on command line tool. Like it's not just testing. If you look at it, she's got like mm-hmm. a rename utility, a find and replace, a refactor utility. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it is, it's like a, a testing thing, but then like threw everything else in with it, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I remember, like, back when we were getting started on Velocity, like, Nightwatch just had a different – she's had a different view. Like, she, she wanted to do the testing from well, a separate so app Night, running, Night, right? Nightwatch is different. Um, Nightwatch right. is actually built by other people. So she wanted to build a oh. uh, safety harness early on was the one she was working on. Oh, safety harness. Okay, yeah, yeah. safety harness. My bad. Yeah. And, um, so safety harness. You know, everyone was trying different approaches, like how do you hook into the system under test, you know, and how do you like get your testing code in there and make sure that everything's the way you want it to be, right? Because you got to deal with fixtures and all these different kinds of things. And I remember like you and I were sitting in the office with Abigail and she was like explaining the difference between Leica and some of the other options. I don't know, it was interesting, but then you're right, like Velocity came along and everyone kind of like agreed to head in one direction and try to figure out how to make that an awesome thing, you know, and then got the official 
MDG buy-in. And so like you were able to hook into the actual command line tool, which you still, I mean, outside of velocity, no one else has really done as far as I'm aware. So like when you get starting night, you actually have to do like NPM install as a global. And then that's the attack vector for running this. This is similar to meteorite in that it's an executable that runs and kind of wraps up the meteor commands for you. What do you think about it, Dean? Yeah, well, and that's the way that you could get started, I think, is, is you know, as an NPM module like, like Meteorite did. So it's a, it's a quick way to add something to the ecosystem. I have a, a particular pain point that I'm hoping this uh, addresses, but I haven't uh, taken the time to actually execute it. I started learning about Nightwatch and uh, Selenium as, as kind of prerequisite knowledge. So my pain point that I'm hoping any, any tool you know, gets me to is, uh, is, is the continuous integration, you know, just running once, getting that exit code, possibly providing XML uh, output. I'm still groping, I feel, in the dark a little bit, despite the fact that there is a lot of help out there. And I, I had a situation where when we were running tests inside a Docker container on an Ubuntu system, the tests wouldn't exit they, they kind of hang after the last test, even though I, I'm familiar with the yeah. double dash test and double dash once. And I tried a bunch of stuff there. And, you know, my impression was just that, like, if someone is starting focused on CI tooling, like like the Starry Night packages, maybe some things will be, you know, kind of uh, there from the get-go. Where Velocity really had the in-browser thing, reactive test results, got it down. You know, and that's kind of its vision. So I wonder if there's, you know, kind of two visions of the testing experience. I don't know that I'd say yes to that. So to me, I think the um, CI is probably the hardest part to solve when you want to do it in Meteor itself. So when you're writing your own tool, like Starry Night, right, and it's just an NPM package that can kick off its own things and do what it needs to do, like she can write that the way she needs and everything will work fine. But Velocity itself is actually hooking into the Meteor build process. And so that, I think, is where some of the complication comes in because you're dealing with the fact that you now have two groups trying to do something. And, like, I I just made a change to the dash dash test stuff. Uh, You shouldn't have to tell it once. To me, the assumption is when you type dash dash test, it should assume that you only want it to run once and exit. And it wasn't doing that. It was a one-liner, right? It wasn't a hard change. But, you know, now all of a sudden, it's got to sit out there and wait to be approved. And then it's got to wait for the next release cycle before it gets into media. And so I think that, that makes things slower or harder to kind of think about and get right. I mean, I, I remember spending about a week ago, uh, not a week ago, about two months ago, I spent about a week just trying to get the CI server to like run and pass. I finally got it to the point where it would run, but then like it would pass on my machine, but not pass in the CI environment. So there was a lot of fiddling there. And I think it's, it's a little bit harder because JavaScript is asynchronous. And so at least with Cucumber, a lot of times what you have to do is keep upping your wait time. And uh, you know, it's, it's all just dependent on how fast that CI server is running your tests. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate the complexity of, uh, how, you know, what, what has to go on to, you know, to run your tests in the context of your app. We tried some uh, 
jerry-rigged approaches uh, before Velocity had been approved, and none of them got very far. And so I'm definitely looking to the Velocity team to, to do some, you know, uh, of this stuff. And maybe I'll understand it, but I'm not going to roll my own at this point. Yeah. And the next topic? Sure. Uh, so I'm still trying to wrap my head around this topic. It's funny. I always pick the topics and I assign this one to myself. You like a challenge. Uh, <laughs> apparently I do. You know, I was looking at the crater and one of the more popular stories, we missed it uh, last week because this actually came out nine days ago, is the, the Blaze components and um, building reusable components for Blaze. Here, he's got a tutorial site and he says the problem is, let's say we yep. have an in input box that auto-selects the text on clicking for easy changing. Its value is read from the database and is written to it when the user changes. In Play Meteor, it would look something like this. Right, and so he's got the the HTML template, and he's got uh, some CoffeeScript or JavaScript. You can click back and forth. Yeah, uh, helpers and events. Yeah, and so what if we now want same functionality on another template? Our options are either to duplicate the code, refactor the template, refactor the code instead or create a helper class that does the same above in an organized way and also provides inheritance so we can create a modified version or extend the functionality. Interesting. Okay. And so he's proposing instead that you can just build a component and it'll do what it needs to do and you register it. It looks like he's using ES6. Oh, he has some ES6 examples. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, he's using uh, like classes. He's extending... He's got a Blaze component class, and you extend that with your component and then register it. Yeah. So I know React, I mean, had React fresh on the brain uh, from last week, but, like, it, does this resemble uh, some existing uh, component thing that you know of, like React or maybe ASP.net or something? <laughs> well, I, I would just throw out that, you know, we, we're using Polymer with Meteor at UserCycle. And like we have components through that, right? But they're not media components. Mm -hmm. I think this is this is a, it's a symptom of like all the other frameworks have the concept of a, of a component. Meteor still doesn't have that. And we've been talking about it for a year, you know. Like this is a long-standing topic, and Meteor hasn't provided a a model for this yet, right? I don't remember. Did they say like they want this to be a community thing, or are they still working on internal idea for what? a meteor component would be? Um, well, so, I mean, I almost put the Blaze 2 proposal on here for us to talk about, but I think some of that is, is yeah. maybe detailed in there. But I, I just think that, yeah, they, they really want feedback from the community and they want to build the best solution they can. And, you know, I, I think no matter what, it's going to take time coming from them just because they, they really like to do a good job with this kind of stuff. So, and that takes time. Yeah. But this package is Meteor Blaze Components. This is, is MTG involved in this or is this all Metar? Yeah, I think it's all just Metar and Pure Library. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of, um, it's like, well, how would I do it? You know, it's, it's, it's moving the whole conversation forward, though, which I think is good. I'm trying to remember, is, is he the guy, like somebody else was talking about, or maybe it's this, of being able to wrap polymer components inside of these, you know, if that was part of this conversation. I have no idea. There's 45 yeah. comments on this thing. I actually yeah. didn't read all of them. I don't remember if it was this. There's just maybe a different conversation around components, but yeah, I mean, basically components is a big part of what's going to need to 
get resolved in 2015, I think, for Meteor. I don't think the community is going to stand stand around and, and wait uh, much longer than that before there'll be a lot of community-driven, you know, systems out there. And it, it's kind of, like, the tricky part about this is I, I don't know that I would implement this, you know, in my code because if Meteor comes out with something official in three months, you're going to be tearing that out, you know? So it'd be fun to, you know, like, you just got to, that Blaze 2 thing needs to get moved forward and, some statement from those guys on that would be nice. Agreed. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the evolution uh, in uh, a, a world I was part of years ago, the Java servlet JSP world. And, you know, you started out with a JSP, which is kind of like a PHP uh, kind of big collection mm -hmm. of everything. And then there were components that you could uh, call into and then sometimes they would take their configuration with angle brackets, uh, which harkens back a little bit to, to cold fusion even. Oh. And, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and so this quest towards uh, little you know, drop-in things that have a few configuration op options. I think when you use like a WYSIWYG editor for designing HTML tables, you'd right-click on them and configure how many rows and columns they are. That type of thing, you know, every framework I've seen has has gravitated towards creating uh, one or more of these. You know, yeah. so I believe it's it becomes a, a important part of a platform when it matures. That's that's the tricky part. Is I, if this was like if you had to do this from the beginning, if you had to use components, and that was the standard tutorial, it makes Meteor feel a lot more complicated. You know, cl closing in on like Ember and Angular in terms of complexity, and we lose a little bit of our special secret sauce there if that happens. Um, but at the same time, mature apps need this kind of stuff. Like we're, we're dealing with this in, in, our, in our own apps, like you know, the lack of being able to extend a model, you know, a UI component hurts. You know, once you use the same kind of concept 10 times in your code, mm -hmm. you change it, it's a big pain in the ass. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting too because not only like is Meteor coming along, but also the web itself is trying to figure out like what's the best way because I mean, you know, here we're talking about like Blaze components, but then there's also like, you know, capital W web components and, right. you know, everyone's trying to figure that out and you see things like Polymer or Ionic or, you know, everyone wants to know what's the best way to build this reusable bundle of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and, you know, no, nobody knows yet. Like, until the browsers catch on and support something, you know, widespread, I, it's all just a crapshoot, right? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely edgy. So, yeah. All right. Well, good stuff. No resolution on that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, my hope was to solve it right here, right now. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, well, thanks for uh, tuning in, guys. I'll I'll mention a couple other things we didn't get to today, but there's now reactive PostgreSQL. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that next week. But that's kind of interesting, and I think that uh, Meteor should hire this guy. Like, what the what the heck? You know, this is yeah. now put out MySQL support, and now he's putting out PostgreSQL support. And wow, what's going on, MDG? <laughs> <laughs> I also launched, um, in case you, I, I'm sure you guys saw it, but uh, a new Meteor Club podcast uh, where we do a roundtable. It's like an hour long thing. Actually recording that one next. 
So launch that. You can check that out. We don't have a website up yet. We're hoping next week we'll have it up. <laughs> you have but an yeah. iTunes uh, store uh, link. Yeah. 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 We've, get, we've got an RSS feed too. But There you go. There is lean and mean, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I learned some things already on that show about, about MUP. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, the next, the next one will be interesting too, because we talk a lot about Cordova. So that one's in the can and ready to go. I'm just going to post it today. And then uh, later today, we're talking about uh, how to build a testing culture, actually. So, yeah, like how do we shift Meteor into like a culture that is accepting and welcoming and craving testing in their applications. So package all the things. (laughs) Nice. All right. And uh, I think that's it. You know, thanks to sponsor uh, Modulus as always. They're awesome. So I'm sure you heard the ad in the beginning. Uh, if not, check them out. Modulus.io. Great hosting platform. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Dean. Yeah. All right. Good to see you guys. Talk yep. to you. All right. I'll see you guys. This podcast has been a Meteor Club production. You can find out more information about Meteor Club at meteorjs.club pretty easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. Again, that's meteorjs.club.